Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm your host, Florence Adu, coming to you with part two of my conversation with Dana Wheat. She is the Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of MedTransGo, a healthcare technology startup based in Atlanta, Georgia. Prior to MedTransGo, she co-founded the Black Angel Tech Foundation, which was created to support and increase the number of underrepresented minorities in technology. She has also held positions at AT&T, Pfizer, and in several innovative entrepreneurial ventures, which if you didn't listen to part one, go back because she has some great stories about how all of those things have culminated in where she is now professionally. She is a member of the board of trustees of the Westminster Schools of Atlanta and has served as treasurer of the Atlanta chapter of Jack and Jill. She's a board member for Blue Owl Capital and a board member for the Alliance Theater of Atlanta. She also serves on several task forces and committees at both Stanford University, our alma mater, and Columbia Business School, including serving as a co-chair of the Stanford Lead Council, a member of the Stanford Humanities and Sciences Council, and a founding member of the Women's Circle at Columbia Business School. Again, in case you missed it, go back to part one where we get to know a lot about Dana's background, and we're picking up the conversation with MedTransGo. Going back to the idea of Atlanta, you started MedTransGo here. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is your hub. And so, but you are in 11 states? We are in 12 okay, to 14 so states. Nice. Yes. So, so we, I mean, we have a presence, a strong presence in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. We're growing in Illinois and Texas and Colorado. But, you know, we ultimately have been able to start to build the infrastructure based on certain customers and then kind of build around that. So it's really been an exciting opportunity because each state is slightly different, but at the same time, the need for our services, yes. which is... Um, yes, so tell us. <laughs> <laughs> tell us. MedTransGo, how did, how did you brainchild it and how are you making it happen every day? So the brainchild is really actually my husband, also our, our classmate, mm-hmm. um, Obi Ubanali. Yeah. And he is an orthopedic surgeon, as I mentioned, here in Atlanta. And he has a busy practice. And one day he experienced these cancellations um, on a surgical day with back-to-back cancellations that were two very kind of complex, big procedures that would have been, you know, a couple hours each. So he had this four-hour window on a day when he normally would literally not even have time to eat. Yeah. And he looked into why those canceled. And in one instance, it was because a a Spanish interpreter didn't show up. And in the other instance, it was because a neighbor canceled the ride and they didn't have a ride home. And he was like, you know, these are so solvable. These are solvable issues. Like, you know, what I'm doing, or I, I, this is my saying, what he's doing is the the hard and complex part. Getting there shouldn't be... Right. the most challenging piece. Sure, yeah. And so he and I talked about it and we looked into it and we actually realized that, you know, transportation and interpretation are the leading causes of why people cancel. Mm-hmm. So over 40, 54% what? of 
patients of cancellations are due to mistransportation and interpretation. So we built a platform that provides a marketplace with access to safe and reliable transportation, interpretation in over 100 languages. And that transportation can be anything from a curb to curb ride, mm -hmm. similar to maybe even a ride share, but it also can be wheelchair accessible vehicles, stretcher vehicles, mm -hmm. somebody who needs a little bit more care, so a concierge type um, amount. And so, you know, when people get into certain situations or their family members do, and you can't provide that transportation, which is increasingly a challenge, yeah. and especially amongst underrepresented groups, yeah people in rural communities. And so they ultimately don't make, they make the choice to not get care. Right. And so this is impacting people's health. It's impacting communities and, you know, it's a solvable challenge. Mm -hmm. And so these are things we can do. And there's a, you know, a, 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 a class of transportation providers that are non-emergency medical transportation providers. And they have the skill set if you need oxygen or if you need mm -hmm. basic care, mm -hmm. they have the insurance, they have the background checks, mm -hmm. the, the HIPAA compliance mm -hmm. that protects people yeah. in a way for healthcare that you need. If you have dementia or you are, you know, nice. being treated for for cancer, you don't want somebody random that doesn't have right. that. And so how do you have access to that? How would you even know when you get into that situation that these non-emergency medical transportation providers are there? Sometimes people do high cost ambulances when you don't need that. Mm -hmm. And so we work with facilities, hospitals, and care providers mm -hmm. to tap into that network of transporters, interpreters, and other ways that people cancel. And so what is great is the need is there and our technology, which we've built this proprietary technology matches and has an algorithm that matches and does all the kind of work is into who is the best person for you on each ride, each side of the ride, and, and how do we make it more efficient and consistent in that way. And so not only then can we do that, because we have a tech solution, we're able to build a database of numbers and information which you can ultimately combine with electronic health record, de demographic information, mm -hmm. so you can understand, oh, if they are this, this, and this, then ultimately we should just offer transportation because they are going to then go to more appointments and you know like maternal health care is a huge problem in Georgia. Okay. And you know it's basic care being able to see doctors while you're pregnant or just in general along the way and so all of those preventative care measures can actually impact later on more catastrophic yeah. challenges. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of connect those dots and have those those data kind of pulled together mm -hmm. is the other really exciting part about what MedTransGo does. Yeah. And it's a lot of the technology behind the scenes that you don't feel, but we put the human-centered piece. So yeah. the patient is going to hear from the the transporter, hi, I mean, you know, I'm going to be in a white car. I'm going to see you at a certain thing. And so the notifications actually go to the transporter. Mm -hmm. It's so that the patient feels what healthcare needs, which is 
a person, mm -hmm. a human, or they hear from their doctor. Right. And so we have that. And then the interpretation, it's in-person interpretation, video interpretation, and phone uh, interpretation. And so, you know, an American Sign Language interpreter, yeah. you know, being able to have that person who's either in a different county who can come over to, to be there or just even available, it allows you to kind of match with that. So very interesting. So for the, it's a B2B. So you yeah. serve on the vendor side, right? So the, well, I say the vendors, meaning the service providers, the, the, the interpreters and the transport companies, and then also for the institutions, right? And so for each side, is there a dashboard that they're both using Yes. And then, so that connects them. So we have three dashboards. Mm -hmm. It's like three apps all in one. Okay. And so one is for partners, which is what we call our transporters and interpreters. Yeah. And one is for our providers. So the hospitals, the, the clinics and others. And then we have an administrative portal mm -hmm. that basically pulls everything together and we see all the different pieces together. Got it. Got it. And then, so each of them, so this is a kind of business question, like sure. revenue question. So are the partners, is there a membership for them? Do they pay to play? How is the fund? How are the funds? Yes. <laughs> no. Doing? And actually, it's a, a very interesting question. Right now, we don't charge our partners okay. to be on the platform because that's actually the supply that sure. we're, we're doing. But okay. we vet them and we make sure that they're the ones that ultimately are our customers yeah. want to see and, and can match. And so we we get paid by healthcare providers okay. who want to be able to have access to this okay. marketplace. Okay. And so then they pass that cost on to insurance companies or to the individuals. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's a range. Mm -hmm. uh, so, some pass it on to insurance um, and we're working to actually get the insurance embedded into our platform right. in general. Some pass it on to patients. Mm -hmm. Um, but the bulk of them actually realize that fundamental to their business mm -hmm. is Getting that they're there. Coming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they invest in that month in in that okay. infrastructure, yeah. and they will do the numbers. And a lot of times, a lot of our customers are actually using rideshare already, mm. which is not as safe, has the risk, sure. doesn't have the data, doesn't have yeah. you know that ultimate track record mm -hmm. to, to do that. I mean, it's, it's good for some things. I mean, yeah. again, yeah. but, but I mean, you and I, if, if our family member, if our parents had dementia, I wouldn't want to put them you in a, an Uber yeah. and assume that they're going to like get dropped off on the curb. So right. this is really that extra yeah. um, need to make sure that that's happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. And so building the business, I mean, it's a great business model and it's a great idea. So you come from the venture space. How did you actually move through? Do you have a um, venture investment? How is the, uh, the company funded? So initially, a lot of our funding, we bootstrapped oh. and had, you know, have a network yeah. of angels that, you know, believed in what we and believed in us yeah. and believed in what we we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, others in the industry, other doctors sure. who sort of like, oh, I totally have this problem. And interestingly enough, I think COVID validated what we were doing because all of a sudden people were like oh there's no one here mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. shut down like we uh, we we really see the impact yeah. when people don't come yeah. and so you know we have been successful at 
raising from some strategic partners, but mainly angel investors. Okay. And and now we've raised almost six, oh, well, almost $7 million. Wow. Wow. That's we're, we're closing an extension. And so yeah. with, with that extension, we should be around the $7 million. Okay. Okay. And then, so thinking about growth and what's next and, and how you mentioned building your business around certain providers, right? In other states. Are you seeing that because there are some national like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, those types of ones, are those on your radar to expand into other? Because some states have, like New York has a, a transport kind of system. Like I've seen it, the, the vans that come and pick pick people up. It may not be as, as I don't, I don't want to yeah. say, as as systemized or it may be, but I've, I've seen those vans. So different cities or different states have different systems. So mm-hmm. how are you seeing your expansion with the, the national players and then even potentially like white label? Well, we're, the opportunities are, mm-hmm. you know, endless, limitless, endless and limitless, you know, and we, you know, interestingly, I mean, there's, there are definitely, you know, brick and mortar companies that mm-hmm. do non-emergency medical transportation sure. that, you know, work with certain hospitals right. and they, it, right. for them, yeah. it makes sense to invest in just working directly with a particular group. And okay. sometimes mm-hmm. they also do uh, ambulance and uh, transportation. What we do, and we're actually seeing this more with hospitals as well, but we we provide that network that you you wouldn't be able to build up if you have, mm-hmm. you know, even a huge multi-facility clinic mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't want to have that one driver, then when they're busy, like what happens right. and what if traffic delays them? And so this just gives them access to, you know, that infrastructure. And so even in the New York area, mm-hmm. this is a similar, there's a, a similar infrastructure. And we've started talking to, mm-hmm. you know, different groups, uh, insurance companies, mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there are even big corporations who sort of self-insure. This is an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of work through their because there are so many opportunities and because we've already started to build up a, a large supply in the Southeast, yeah. we have decided to kind of really focus and grow in certain areas that are of great yeah. need yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start moving into some of the other large metro areas. Sure. But, you know, just in terms of, you know, revenue growth and projections, like we see even just with the current customers that we have, that we can really grow our business to forecasted amounts or projected amounts without even having to expand into other cities or with other people. Wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the idea is that when you solve a need, then you can continue to grow in those. Yeah. In those places. Awesome. So let's think about mindset for a minute. Okay. (laughs) And I'll ask you about your mindset hack. So this is what I, we like to understand what you do to hack your mind. So it's something that you can imagine, something that you do, um, something that you practice already. What is your favorite mindset hack? Oh, it's funny being a, a working mom. I yeah. feel like I, I, that this is an area that I have to continue to work mm. through and do. I'd say there are probably two things that come to mind. And one is that I, I do try to walk 
Mm-hmm. And you know, we we were runners, and yeah. so I wish that I had had that I could invest the time in in walking. And you know, I've I've done a number of different exercise things where I have started and stopped. Yeah. But the walking is very easy because it's you know you yeah. could even walk in like your regular street clothes, right. and and that's fine. And um, the weather is nice, and it, it gets me outside, and I can um, either listen to an audio book mm-hmm. or get on a call, um, but that's one that um, that I do. But I think the real mind hack is travel mm-hmm. and staying engaged because yeah. I really do think that that part feeds my soul. I think just being on a plane where you have no kind of out to side distractions. I mean, I certainly have spent some time where I'm like on my emails the entire time or um, but you can't do Zoom, you can't do phone calls, um, and it's generally just like my yep. quiet zone, and I'm in the clouds, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the pieces that I love the most. And then I arrive in these destinations like New York and California, Stanford, and I don't. Uh, there's something about it that just just makes me just calms me because there's the familiar it's like a bist a big hug so i like that a big hug travel i know i love it so obviously we were on that same mind mindset hacked space and so you you mentioned engage engaging Mm -hmm. and you're engaged in quite a bit of voluntary activities Yes. Yes. So there's one in particular you mentioned that is the the Blue Owl Capital Mm -hmm. Project. Now, tell us about that, because, you know, the schools make sense. I think, was that your children's schools? Uh, Westminster Westminster schools schools is my children's school. Yes. And Jack and Jill, I'm sure your family is a member. Yes. We're a member of the Atlanta chapter. And then, you know, the Stanford and the Columbia. But Blue Owl is a little bit different. Tell us about that. I mean, it is actually a very interesting thing. I remember talking to one of my best friends um, from college and we were just talking about the need to see us or to see more people of color or women Mm -hmm. um, in corporate boards. Mm. And it really is, you know, in some senses, an amazing opportunity both for learning, but sharing and and being involved there. And, you know, I went to a a finance business school, but I never think of myself as a finance person. So I'm like, how am I on this board Uh of a Wall Street company? And so it's an alternative asset management company that has uh, almost $160 billion in uh, assets under management. Um, It's it's a wild thing. And in some senses, I, I, I think to myself when I walk in, you know, I know people are like, they've had um, the fairy tale of marrying the prince or I, I don't even know. But I, <laughs> and I, you know, I, my, my husband is wonderful and you know, he is a prince too, but that was never my dream. Yeah. But I walk in to this, these offices on the, you know, 37th floor of this Park Avenue with like 360 views of the yeah. city. And I'm like, this is my fairy tale. Like this is wonderful. And the the company, one of the co-CEOs is a Stanford alum. Mm-hmm. And I had worked a lot with him on a lot of these Stanford boards and activities. And so it is through that channel that I even learned about this. But it was at a time when I was like, you know what? I really think 
I would love to explore that. And, you know, in some senses, I, I now think for especially women and people of color that it is such a great opportunity to be you know, literally at the table and to both understand and have the resources available. And so uh, what is wonderful is that uh, of the three independent directors, all three of us are women. Wow. So it's also set up in a way that I, I, I don't ever feel imposter syndrome. I don't ever feel Mm -hmm. like, what am I doing here? And in some senses also when it was proposed to me, like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, why, you know, I have, I have no background in finance. I have, you know, what, I don't know what, I mean, I have background just in terms of my training and stuff, but like, I'm not a wall street person. And, and a, a lot of them were like, you know, we literally look right and left and we, we have that around us. Yeah. We need the different thinking. Sure. Yeah. You know, they, they, they all see kind of the value in just different perspectives. Yeah. And so, and I'm seeing that more and more, although I have learning quite a lot about, so it's, it's an alternative asset management company that actually has three parts of the business. They do direct loans to large companies like um, oh, okay. Airbnb or, you know, in the billion billion dollar loans that for, for companies that necessarily don't want to take out equity, sure. but, you know, they're great in that way. And then we uh, take minority stakes in private equity and hedge funds um, as another very fascinating leg of the business. And it was consolidated and combined in 2021 to to launch in that way. And then the third, uh, which was an acquisition, is real estate investments, basically through triple net lease mortgages. Um, I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible and also in my own way, but um, it is a a very exciting business. And, you know, some senses it's sort of like, you know, with MedTransGo or like that one-stop shop for like all of the healthcare needs, this is like a one-stop shop for Mm. your, you know, for alternative assets. And so it's uh, all under, and it's, I mean, the, the, the leadership and the, 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 the folks on the team, are some of the smartest, kindest, most interesting people mm. I've met. And so being able to meet at least quarterly, yeah. but more more than that, and be a part of this ecosystem is super fascinating. That's, that's I'll say that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they it pay is. me for it. Right. I'm like, what? This is, that, is, that is so I... Um, I was in, on a biography project for Robert Weaver, and he was on so many corporate boards as a black man, and it was so important. And he was always on a campaign yeah. to be to do that, and it's so it's just important. So thank you for being on these boards. Oh, and, I mean, I, <laughs> and telling others that I it's think, important. Well, that's yeah. that will ultimately when when I sell MedTransGo mm-hmm. or when I when yeah. we, when this you know, gets that next stage and I have more bandwidth and or when the kids are out, out of the house. Sure. I mean, that, that to me yeah. is a no brainer yeah. to be able it's, to It be, changes the game. It changes the game. Yeah. It, and and it really, I mean, and again, I, I know that there is some luck and some yeah. good fortune that I'm even on this particular board of all boards. Sure. But, you know, I, I see opportunity for wealth building mm-hmm. in the same way I see 
as an entrepreneur and as, you know, within this Black Angel Tech Foundation, you know, being able to not only be paid for for this work, getting stock in a in a company um, and, you know, being a part of that is is it's an important Mm -hmm. piece. And I also feel like, you know, I fundamentally reinvest that into Mm -hmm. both mentoring, but also with with my own funds Mm -hmm. into communities that are often not even seen and or I can give voice to that because I'm at the table with people, which is why I also really stay very engaged uh, at Stanford um, and Columbia less so only because of just time. Right. But um, but because, you know, just being able to do that, talking to one person, having that one story, it's 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 important. Mm-hmm. And for people to see, oh, that's that's what a board member looks like or right. that's what a board member exactly. could be. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Nice. So I know we got to get you off to your next meeting. <laughs> so yes, before you. we go, I just want to ask one last question. I ask if you're a reader, a watcher, or a listener, and this is, let's find out who Dana is when she's not working all the time. <laughs> so are you a reader, a watcher, a listener, or what else, what, what do you do in your not working time? I would say a combination of all. You're all. So what are some of your favorites that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, again, I've had to adapt Mm -hmm. to my life and the snippets of what I can do. So I like to consume by reading online uh, newspapers or or just Mm -hmm. um, stories. Mm -hmm. But I've rededicated this year to trying to read more books. I hear that a lot. A lot of my guests are like, I don't have time, but yes. I'm trying to get back. So I've created this new plan to do to get the book, yeah. start reading it at night if I have the time, but then supplementing it with audiobooks yeah. while, while I'm in the car, I can do that. And so because I found that to invest in a full yes. book, it's very hard. And so just to have... The, the different ways that I can consume it is helpful. So that's the reading part. The watching part, I think I just appreciate having stories told through television, mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. and I don't have any particular shows that I'm watching now, but I do love all of them. Okay. Like I do, I mean. <laughs> What's your favorite Atlanta story? Is there one that you watch at Atlanta? Are you a, a, a Ratchet TV consumer at all i'm i'm not that much and i also am guided a little bit by my kids so like when my daughter's home from college or or others they're like no you need to watch this and of course then i love it i mean a lot of it is like dumb shows or romantic comedies or everyone laughs at me like i love a good hallmark um (laughs) the the holiday is it is (laughs) But I actually, I think I, this past holiday season, I think I overdid it. And now I'm like a little burnt out, like the story. <laughs> but I loved how the stories, you yeah. know, they had everything from gay families to, you know, just diverse yeah. and mixed and yeah. global and Jewish and Christmas. And, and but it's still all very hokey. But I, I think I watched way too many. And so now I'm like, oh, maybe I'm done. But I do love myself a good show just because it's like brainless and it it doesn't require from me 
Yeah. Um, and then the listening part, I think just because being a mom, being the CEO of a company, being a part of all of these different activities and boards and I think the listening is the most important mm. piece. Mm -hmm. So you're just always listening. I'm always trying to listen because that's how I gain yeah. knowledge. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you so much, Dana. You're welcome. This, this is awesome. so nice. Yeah, it's like I know talking to an old friend, yeah. and uh, you know, it's been really wonderful just to see you, see your smile. It, oh in yes, person. definitely. And um, I mean, thank you for listening. I, here I say I'm listening. It's my favorite thing, but I am here. I'm talking, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, listeners, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us Tuesdays with new episodes at GlocalCitizensPod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Please like, share, subscribe, leave us a review. Remember, 100 reviews in 2024. So until next time, bye for now. <laughs>